Welcome. My name is Caleb, and you are listening to the Vitamin C Podcast. Hey guys. So I'm really tired right now. I could tell you exactly why I'm really tired. It's because I didn't sleep last night. And the main reason for that is because I went to see Creed 3 in IMAX, and that was great. And it wasn't too late, but I was really hungry after my showtime. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get something that I have not eaten before. And I had this coupon, and it was for $1 off carne asada fries at this Mexican restaurant near where I live. So I said, all right, I'm going to go get a burrito from this place. I'm going to get carne asada fries. Seems like a good idea to me. And my thought process was these carne asada fries are probably somewhere in the 5 to $8 range. Because why else would you give a dollar off of these? They are probably pricey, but not too pricey. Anyway, I said, all right, I'm going to get your breakfast burrito, which is around $9. And then I'm going to get these carne asada fries. So I'm thinking it's going to come out to about $14, $15, you know, in that price range. And I pulled to the window and they're like, oh, that'll be $24.75. I was like, are you sure you have the right order? And they're like, yeah, the breakfast burrito and the carne asada fries. I said, really? I was like, well, I got a dollar off the carne asada fries here. So I only paid $23.50 or something like that. And I didn't realize the carne asada fries were covered in guac, which there's nothing wrong with guac. Guac is fine, but I can't digest avocado. So guac is kind of a problem for me especially when I just paid $12 for an entire bowl of fries that are just covered in guac and sour cream. But the problem was I couldn't waste them. I just paid like 14 bucks for these carne asada fries. And that was after my $1 off coupon. So I had to eat them. And because of that, I did not sleep because I was just sitting up in my bed feeling like I was going to throw up for like the entire night and then finally I fell asleep because I was just too tired and then I woke up and my body just hurt and I yeah I'll just say it has not been going well I can't digest avocado and there are certain foods where when I eat them I have allergic reactions my skin reacts my stomach reacts it's really bad it's a shame because I was feeling good last night I was like man I just saw a good movie I'm gonna get these carne asada fries and this breakfast burrito. I couldn't even get through the breakfast burrito because I was so sick from these carne asada fries. And honestly, the flavor, I did not think they were that good. And I mean, I'm not the greatest food critic of all time. I used to eat at Taco Bell about five days a week. So that's why I'm omitting the name of the restaurant, though, to be fair, is because I don't want them to look bad because I didn't realize how expensive their menu item was. I should have looked at the menu. I just blindly said carne asada fries because I had the coupon. Should not have done it, but I did it. Ruined my night. So I'm going off of about two hours of sleep for you guys. But hey, what can you do? So on the bright side, I have watched all the Creed movies this week, which previously I had only seen the first movie on TV. And even then I had watched like half of it on TV. And the second one, I never saw it, but the third one looked good, and I was going to see the third one, so I said, well, I got to watch the first two, and luckily, I got them both on sale in 4K, so that was great, and I got to watch both of them leading up to Creed 3. And wow, these are some good movies. They are very good movies, especially the first Creed movie, which I'll start off talking about that one. 
is a great movie. I've talked about the concept of legacy sequels before, where they're basically these sequels that take place years after the original movie released. And in a way, they're a reboot sequel, so like a requel. They talk about this in Scream 5 at one part, by the way, which Scream 5 is also a requel, where it's basically the franchise going in a new direction and they use some existing things that worked before that people liked before and use that to build the new direction that they're going. And some people have done a good job with this. I would say Blade Runner 2049 is a great example of this. Top Gun Maverick is a great example of this. I think Tron Legacy is a good example of this. Halloween 2018 is a pretty good example of this, although the following films I don't think do the best job, but I won't debate that right now. And then the Creed franchise does a fantastic job at this because the Creed franchise is, in a way, a legacy sequel to the Rocky franchise. Like, this franchise is a product of the Rocky franchise, which I will say something that I might get some flack for, and that is that I haven't seen a majority of the Rocky movies. And by a majority of the Rocky movies, I mean, like, none of the Rocky movies I watched the first one one time. I was at my best friend's house and we were going to have this movie night. And I got there super early because it's my best friend and we were just hanging out a bit. And he was like halfway through Rocky. So I watched the rest of Rocky with him while everyone else showed up. And then finally, when everyone was there, Rocky was just ending. So we watched the third act of Rocky and then we watched the movie we were going to watch after that. So that's my full extent of the Rocky universe. And I saw somebody say that they hoped that the people that are watching the Creed movies without having seen all the Rocky movies should die a painful death. And honestly, that seems a little bit harsh for me, but I don't know. I haven't seen the movies, so maybe if I had seen all of them, I would feel a lot more strongly about this opinion where I would either say, wow, this person's off the rocker, or I'd say, yeah, they're right. I don't know. It does seem a little extreme for me, though. But yeah, when you talk about legacy sequels and rebooting a franchise using existing characters and existing canon, I think it can get tricky because you have to properly service the fans of old while bringing in new fans to this franchise and breathing new life into it. It can't feel like a complete retread. And you can't really disrespect past characters when you do this. So... Take Star Wars The Force Awakens, for example. I think it largely is incredibly safe. And there are reasons for that behind the scenes that I'm not going to get into. It's not entirely J.J. Abrams' fault that that is the case. And so I'm not going to put the blame fully on him. And the movie itself is okay. The Force Awakens is okay. But it is more or less a retread of A New Hope. And one thing that's not handled gracefully in the movie would be Han Solo. I think they kind of make him out to be a bit of a deadbeat, which his entire arc in the original trilogy was that he was this scoundrel, but deep down he had a good heart and he ended up helping them save the entire galaxy. You know, he's a pretty decent guy. So him being a deadbeat dad, just hanging out, jerking around with Chewbacca all the time, it just kind of rubs you the wrong way if you were a fan of on Solo. And then there are other characters in the sequel trilogy that I think they 
did somewhat of a disservice to. Either they could have had more screen time or they could have had more screen time together or just their characterization felt kind of off to me. I'm not even talking about The Last Jedi. I'm just talking about, in general, all of the movies. I think that there was stuff they could have done better. But you can see how it's kind of difficult because you want to take the franchise in a new direction but at the same time with Star Wars it's near impossible because there are people that are so attached to these characters and you have to portray these characters a very specific way otherwise a million nerds are going to be angry and you don't want angry nerds they are the most dangerous type of people to piss off I'm telling you the last people you want on your bad side are the nerds But then with other legacy sequels, other people have tried to do the same thing. Texas Chainsaw Massacre tried to do what the Halloween franchise did and what the Scream franchise did, and it was not good. They brought back the character from the first movie, and it just felt so silly. It was such a silly movie. It's kind of entertaining because it's a bad slasher. But it doesn't really at all feel like the first movie. It doesn't feel like a proper sequel to that one. And a big reason is because of what they do to the final girl from the first movie, bringing her into this one, it just doesn't feel quite right. So that's what I mean when I say there's very little margin of error when you're doing these legacy sequels where it's like, hey, you want to make the best movie possible while respecting the old And some movies rely completely on nostalgia, and you'll find that those movies don't age as well. And then some movies will find the perfect balance of nostalgia while bringing in the new, like Top Gun Maverick, I mentioned. I think it's one of the best examples. And Creed, the first movie, I think is one of the best examples as well after watching it. And a huge reason is because it is in a way, a spinoff more than a legacy sequel, but Rocky is a main character in the movie, and he's a very likable character in the movie. You're never at any point not rooting for Rocky as a person, even if you don't always understand why he's making certain decisions. He's still a good guy, and it never makes him out to be anything other than that. He's a good guy who's got his struggles but he's still a character that you root for. And it brings in this new character, Adonis Creed, who is the son of Apollo Creed, who Rocky was very good friends with in the original franchise, is what I gather. have not watched the movies, but that's pretty easy to gather from watching the Creed films, is that Rocky and Apollo Creed were very close. And Adonis wants to make it on his own as a fighter, so he's not using the Creed name right away. And Rocky ends up helping train him so that he can be a fighter just like his father was. And eventually, of course, everyone knows that he's Apollo Creed's son. That's why the movie is called Creed, because Adonis does take up the mantle of being Adonis Creed. But yeah, the first movie, I think, tells a very good story and gives you a new character in Adonis Creed that you like. He's not a perfect character, and he's not a perfect fighter right away. You see him go through the ringer, and even though he's the son of one of the greatest boxers ever, he kind of feels like an underdog, and everyone loves an underdog story. But on top of that, the first movie is so well-directed. It's shot by Ryan Coogler, who, of course, directed Fruitville Station. He did Black Panther. He did Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I think he is a very good director. 
and personally, this is my favorite movie of his that I have seen. I think they shoot it to look a lot like the original Rocky movie. They want it to have that grainy, kind of gritty look to it. And for the most part, I think it really captures that, that it kind of looks old school. It's not shot on film. It is shot on digital, but it still kind of looks like a movie shot on film from that era of the original Rocky movies. And that's something I appreciate. I'm a film guy. I prefer film over digital. But I think with the right guy behind the camera, digital can look just as good as shooting on film. And this one specifically, I think looks very good. And I think the camera work is really, really excellent at several points in the movie. I'm just constantly thinking back to that when I was watching Creed 2 and 3 where I said, you know, there's nothing quite like the first one with how it's shot. And it's not a diss on Creed 2 and 3. That's just that the first movie, I think, has some of the most dynamic camera work. Although the third movie, which I'll talk about, has a few sequences that really impressed me in that regard as well. And then lastly, the score for the first Creed movie and the second Creed movie is done by Ludwig Göransson, who is a very good composer, one of my favorite composers. He has not done a ton of movies up to this point because, to my knowledge, Creed was his first. But he composed the first two Creed movies. He did the two Black Panther movies. He is a composer for the TV series The Mandalorian. And he was the composer of Tenet, which is a movie that I love. And a big reason is the score of the movie is incredible. But Ludwig's score for Creed, the first film specifically, is incredible. There are so many moments that are well-shot moments in the movie, but they are completely enhanced by the score from Ludwig Göransson. And I would say the same in the second movie. His score is good in the second movie. I think it is better in the first movie, but it might just be that the movie it's elevating is slightly better, and that's what helps it that the two complement each other better in the first than in the second one. I'm not sure. But the second movie is also good. I enjoy the second one. It has Dolph Lundgren's character from the original Rocky movies and now his son, which Dolph Lundgren's character is the one that killed Apollo Creed in the ring. Like Apollo Creed died during that fight against Dolph Lundgren's character Drago. But now his son is around the same age as Adonis, and his son wants to fight Adonis Creed. Because at this point in time, Adonis Creed is the top boxer in the world. So, of course, he wants a crack at Creed. And some would say that this is an example of the franchise not really branching out and making it Creed's own franchise, that it's about Rocky still because, you know, it's from one of his movies. But it has to do with Creed's father. So, you know, if you're going to have the character be the son of Apollo Creed, then it makes perfect sense to have a movie where he faces off against the son of the guy that killed his father in the ring. I think it works. I mean, is the movie pretty predictable? Sure, but most of these sports movies are. It's like uh, Bill Burr one time was doing this rant in Philadelphia. And I think it was in 2001, he was a fairly new stand-up comic at the time. And it was this show that had been running like hours. And every single comedian had gotten heckled and booed off the stage by the Philadelphia crowd. Because 
Philadelphia is a rough place, all right? Like, if you are not from Philly, it's tough to win their crowd over for any type of events. But basically, Bill Burr went out, and the second he got a single boo or heckle, he decided that he was going to take his entire 10, 15 minutes on stage and just roast the crap out of everybody there and the whole city of Philadelphia. And towards the end of his rant, he has this line that cracks me up so much. And I think of it anytime I'm watching these movies. But he makes a joke about basically, you guys are going to go see Rocky 7 or something like that. And kind of makes fun of him. Like the idea of, oh, I wonder what's going to happen kind of thing in the movie. And it's like, yeah, but you know, that's every sports movie. And of course, people are going to keep going because they like the character Rocky. And that's kind of the case in these movies as well. But it cracks me up because, of course, most sports movies are like this, where it's underdog beats the heavyweight favorite, whatever, or just the character you're rooting for beats the guy that's talking trash who's maybe in need of a humbling experience. There's the occasional loss or draw, but it'll be a loss that's a moral victory, like real steel. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is that Creed 2, it plays out more or less how you would expect, but I think it does a good job at, again, building on Adonis Creed's legacy and building on the franchise while using existing stuff from the previous movies, from the Rocky films. And again, a strength of the second movie is the relationship between Adonis and Rocky. I think they have a very believable friendship It's not quite like a father-son, but it's almost like an uncle-nephew relationship between the two where they're clearly close, they trust each other, and frankly, Adonis grows up without a father, so Rocky is kind of the closest thing that he has to one. But regardless, the third act of Creed 2 is pretty dang awesome. I mean, I feel like I'm a little too low on the movie with how I've been talking about it, but the third act of Creed 2 is awesome. And overall, it's a good movie. I just think the first one is a better film. But now that brings me to this third Creed movie. So this is one that I was really excited for because I saw a sneak preview of it months ago in theaters. It was this special IMAX behind-the-scenes sneak peek, and it was Michael B. Jordan talking about the movie because Michael B. Jordan directed the movie, which is another interesting thing because I've talked about actors turned directors and how a lot of times the movies end up being a little bit mediocre. And the second I saw this behind-the-scenes thing for Creed 3, I said to myself, I don't think this is going to be one of those mediocre actors turned directors. And it's because... This sneak preview of Creed 3 was an IMAX one, and it was showing some of the stuff that they shot for the movie, and Michael B. Jordan was talking about it, saying, hey, we shot it on IMAX cameras, we did the fights on IMAX cameras because we wanted people to feel like they were in the fights, we wanted them to feel like they were in the arena, and what better way to do that than to capture it in the IMAX format with IMAX sound and visuals, so... I was sold from that moment. I said, I got to see this. That just seems so awesome. And then you add in the fact that, one, I like Michael B. Jordan as an actor. And then Jonathan Majors is in the movie. And Jonathan Majors is a great actor. I've enjoyed him in everything. Even the terrible movies that I've seen. Well, really terrible movie, Ant-Man the Wasp Quantumania. Sorry, I'm not backing off of that one. I've given it some time to think and it still sucks ass. 
but Jonathan Majors is still good in that movie. I still enjoyed him in that. But I was excited to see him and Michael B. Jordan. And I remember somebody saying that it showed some level of humility for Michael B. Jordan to have Jonathan Majors starring opposite to him in his own movie because they said Jonathan Majors is going to act Michael B. Jordan off the screen. And it's not even a diss on Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan's a great actor, but Jonathan Majors is right now looking like one of the very best. But they seem to be really good friends off screen. And even on screen, you can tell they have chemistry because it starts off kind of friendly between the two of them. So the backstory is it'll show it in the trailers if you have seen the trailers. But if not, you'll get the idea very quickly. Basically, Adonis Creed in his younger years was bouncing from different group homes before he was eventually brought in by Apollo Creed's wife, who is not his biological mom, but I'm not going to get all the way into that. I'm just saying it's not his biological mom. It's Creed's wife because Apollo Creed had Adonis with a different woman. But Apollo's wife, Marianne Creed, became his mom, more or less. Anyway, Adonis had this friend named Dame in these group homes, and even after he ended up moving into his new place in LA where he finally had a good home, good roof over his head. He was sneaking out at night to hang out with Dame and they would get into a little bit of trouble. Mostly Dame was going to fight guys because he was a boxer and he could fight. But something happens where Dame ends up in prison and Adonis goes on and lives his life and you see it play out. And at this point in Creed 3, he is quite a few years removed from boxing. I think it's been about three years since he retired at this point. But his old buddy Dame, who is played by Jonathan Majors, shows up at his gym and the two of them catch up and it seems really real between the two where it's like two buddies catching up. But Dame explains that he still wants to get back in the ring, that he doesn't have much longer to go. He's kind of getting up there in age because Dame's a few years older than Adonis. But it was his dream to be the best boxer in the world and to compete with the greatest to be a champion. So he still wants to live out that dream, even though he just spent his last almost 20 years in prison. And because Adonis is his friend, he's like, you know, I'll help you out. You can come into the gym and do some sparring and work out and all that. But little does Adonis know or suspect that Dame has other plans in mind because Dame has some harsh feelings towards Adonis and feels like Adonis has kind of been living the life that he should have had. And so, of course, this is going to lead to a big fight between the two of them, as you see in the trailers. It's going to be these two guys who were basically brothers in their younger years going toe-to-toe with each other. And that aspect of the movie, I think, is really, really good, mostly because Jonathan Majors just crushes it. He's fantastic in his role. And Michael B. Jordan, he's always good. He does a great job and you always like Adonis, even though Adonis can be kind of hot headed at times and kind of short sighted. Maybe you always know Adonis's heart is in the right place and that he's a good guy in this movie, almost to a fault. But on the other side of the movie, you have Adonis's family because he, of course, still has his wife, Bianca, played by Tessa Thompson. And then they have their daughter, Amara, who is now a little bit grown up. She's of the age where she's now in school. 
And a big part of the movie is Adonis and his relationship with his daughter, Amara, of him trying to be a good example to her, of him trying to make sure she is tough and strong, but also making the right decisions because Amara is deaf, if you guys cannot remember or have not seen the movies. Amara is deaf and she is going to a school specifically for deaf children and she's kind of getting picked on there. And so there's a bit of a plot point of him teaching her to defend herself, but also not entirely looking for a fight or looking for violence all the time. So there's that aspect. And then there's also an aspect of his mother is having some health complications in the movie. So there's a lot going on on his family side in this movie while he's dealing with this guy from his past who basically was family to him back in the day. And all of that, I think, is mostly well done. I don't think it ever feels like too much is going on. I think it keeps it pretty well balanced throughout the movie. And as far as the fights go, I mean, let's talk about the fights. The fights are pretty awesome. So the very first one you see is towards the beginning of the movie. It is Adonis Creed's final fight. And that's the first one you see in the IMAX format in the movie. And it was just so cool to see because the camera work is really good and seeing it on the IMAX screen was just incredible. I mean, it did feel like you were there. You could feel the hits as they were being dished out. So they captured exactly what they were trying to capture with the fights by shooting it in the IMAX format. And I'll have to watch this movie in its regular format at some point in time and see how it compares, see if it is still as engaging. I imagine it is, but that it's just enhanced by the IMAX experience. That's more or less how a lot of movies are that are shot for IMAX. Although one thing, I wish that movies that were shot in IMAX were released in their IMAX formats. Like that drives me insane where I see an IMAX movie and I will never ever see it again unless they put it back in IMAX 10, 20 years later. That's why uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League was so cool because they released that in its original format instead of having it in its theatrical format. And the picture is a little bit taller than the IMAX format for that one, but it would have filled out the IMAX screen almost completely. I mean, top to bottom, it would have filled out the screen completely, but side to side, there would have been some small black bars. So small, you probably wouldn't have even noticed them by the time the movie started. But anyway, that's something that was really cool. And then Batman v Superman, when they remastered the Ultimate Edition a few years ago, they released it where the IMAX scenes were now in their IMAX format. And I'm telling you, it is one of the best visual experiences ever being able to watch those scenes in their IMAX format. And now Marvel has started to do that where they're putting their IMAX movies on Disney Plus where you have the option to either play them in their IMAX format or in the standard format. But their IMAX format doesn't completely fill out the screen. I mean, it fills out your TV screen, but it would not fill out an IMAX screen. So it's not really the IMAX format, but whatever. That's my thing with this one, though, is I would like to see it again in that format, but I can only do that if I see it again in IMAX, which I could do, but there are a lot of movies I'm seeing, so I may not have time to do that. So I wish that they would release these movies in that format, or at least have the option to watch them in that format. 
But yeah, I think it really enhanced the opening fight and then the finale, the big fight at the end of the movie, again, I thought was really awesome. Another underrated thing throughout these movies are the walkouts that the guys have because, you know, in boxing or MMA, any type of big fighting sport, when guys walk out, they'll have their own walkout music and they'll have some type of visual presentation for them to walk out to so that it's kind of just this uh, epic thing. And some of the walkouts throughout these movies are really cool. And this one had one of my favorite ones, and it was a fight in the middle of the movie. This one fighter, Chavez, I think is his name. It's like something Chavez. But his walkout was pretty sweet. Like visually, it was really awesome. But yeah, the end fight, honestly, I was crazy hyped when they were walking out, their music's blaring because, you know, it's blaring in the theater too. And you feel like you're in the auditorium about to watch the fight. I'm telling you, I was so hyped. I was pretty much on the edge of my seat during the entire finale, which there are not too many movies that have gotten me that emotionally invested in the last few months that I've caught in theaters. And there's this creative decision that is made in the third act that I thought was a very bold one. And I don't want to spoil it, but there is something that they do visually and with the audio as well, I suppose, where the fight, despite there being all these people there in this massive stadium and you can feel that, it then becomes incredibly isolated for the middle rounds of the fight. So each movie has kind of handled it differently because these fights go 12 rounds. And usually they kind of montage the middle rounds. They'll show you the first couple rounds, then they'll just montage rounds 3 through 10 or 3 through 11. And this one kind of does that in a different way, and I thought it was really cool how they did it. Probably one of the most visually unique moments in a sports movie I've ever seen. And so you'll know it when you see it. And that was the moment where I said, yeah, Michael B. Jordan, I gotta tip my hat like he knew exactly what he was doing with this movie so that's it man i mean there's not much more i can say in terms of the positives about this movie without spoiling it i am going to talk about a couple things that hold me back from having this as like my favorite movie of the year thus far just a couple things but if you don't want to hear any critiques before seeing the movie then you can probably just shut it off now i've appreciated you guys tuning in but Seriously, if you don't want to hear the negatives before seeing the movie, which for me personally, I would not want to hear them from me, but you are safe to tune out now because that's going to be it. I'm going to talk about these negatives and then wrap up and tell you guys I'll talk to you soon like I always do, okay? But if you're still here, then that means you're either never going to watch the movie and just want to hear my full thoughts on it, or you've already seen the movie and want to hear my full thoughts or you just are going against my advice. So one of my main complaints is that Rocky is not in the movie. And I knew that going into it, that he wasn't in the movie, but I hadn't seen the movies before until like the day of and the day before seeing this. So I had thought that there was some reason Rocky wasn't in the movie. I said, oh, maybe he like dies in the second one or they have a falling out in the second one and he's just gone from the franchise from there on. But no, he is just not in this movie and they barely even mention him in the movie. And I'm watching this big stuff happen with Adonis and I'm like, really? Rocky wouldn't be there for this? 
And the reason is because behind the scenes, there was something between Sylvester Stallone and one of the producers of the movie. And it's a guy that he's worked with for a long time, but basically he feels like the guy's a total snake and he does not want to work with the guy. So for that reason, he was not in this movie. He said he has no bad blood towards anybody else. He's got nothing but love for Michael B. Jordan and the rest of the cast and crew, but this producer he refused to work with. But I'll be honest, it just felt a little bit awkward not having Rocky in the movie. Even if he wasn't in the movie, to at least have him mentioned would have felt better because he's been such a big part of the franchise. I think it was inevitable that he was phased out eventually because this is Adonis Creed's franchise and not Rocky's franchise at this point. But it just felt weird with him being such a big character in the first two movies to not be in this one at all and to barely even be acknowledged as a character in this franchise. Really, all they do is mention a couple of Rocky's fights, but they don't really mention Rocky the person. Like Creed and Bianca don't talk about Rocky the person, even though he's somebody that they are both very close with, or were very close with. And yeah, time has passed, so it's like, hey, maybe Rocky's dead at this point, but I'd like to know that. If he is, I'd like to know that. I mean, he's the heart and soul of this franchise at the end of the day, even though this is Adonis Creed's franchise now and going forward, is the child of the Rocky franchise in some way. So that felt awkward to me. It definitely weighed the movie down overall. The more I thought about it, I just could not rationalize it. I said, you know, there's just some other way they had to have gone about that than the way they did, where it's just Rocky's not going to be in the movie and we're going to pretend that it's not weird that Rocky's not in the movie. And then the other thing is that the original score for the movie was not that good, in my opinion. It was definitely lacking compared to the first two Creed movies. I mentioned that Ludwig Gornson composed the first two Creed movies, and he has a great job. I think he is able to make the emotional moments feel emotional in those first two movies and the high stakes moments feel larger than life with his score and these small victories for the character feel triumphant in some way or another but in this movie i really only noticed the score at a handful of points which in an imax theater is not good because the sound is so loud that you hear everything, and I have seen movies before that I didn't really notice the score, and then I watched them in IMAX, and I said, oh, this score is actually pretty good. And so for me to not notice an original score in an IMAX theater is not really a good thing. And the only points I did notice are points where I said, oh, it's about to get really good. This note really needs to deliver here. And it just never reaches those heights that it needs to, in my opinion. Like the big moments in the movie that should feel triumphant, they really don't feel that way. Or if they feel that way, it's not because of the original score or it's not enhanced by it. So it's like this moment was great in spite of the original score and not as a result of the original score. So that was something that really weighed the movie down for me personally. And I guess it's harsh to say it weighed it down. I'll just say it didn't make me like the movie more. 
It's something that can really elevate a movie, and I don't feel the score elevated the movie at any point during the film. And that's a big thing, is the score can really help carry scenes that would otherwise be a little more dull. That's where good acting, good direction, and good music composition come in. And there's good direction and there's good acting, but that third pillar, the composition, is lacking to me in this film. And I looked up the composer afterwards, and they have done like two movies ever, so they are pretty new to the scene. I believe they did the original score for the TV series, The Book of Boba Fett, so maybe they are some understudy of Ludwig Göransson, but I will tell you, they are certainly not Ludwig Göransson. Anyway, other than that, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was a very good movie. I just think those Two things are things that kept it from being great for me. They were two of the things that held it back from being my favorite of the year thus far. It's right up there as one of my favorites, but it's not my definitive favorite so far. But anyway, that's all I got for today. If you guys have seen Creed, let me know your thoughts. If you have not seen it and were interested in seeing it, then hey, I think it's well worth the shot. If you are debating whether or not to see it in IMAX, for me, I think it was worth the IMAX experience. I would say give it a shot in IMAX. But that's all I got for today. There are a few movies I'm going to be watching soon, one of which is Guy Ritchie's new film, Operation Fortune. So the next time you hear from me, I should be talking about Operation Fortune. So thanks for listening. Stay tuned for that.